0: Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics, while
1: adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain.
0: This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we
1: do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We are super excited, not only because it's recording day, which always gets us excited, but we have a special guest today. Oh, tell us about it. We have a special guest, and we are recording via Zoom. So this is a big technology day for the Shrinkwrap podcast as well. Our
0: first ever. Yeah.
1: I'm calling this, um, from my point of view, the most selfish podcast episode we're going to record. Okay. Um, Because it's, I don't, I'm just like, geeking out over it. We have um, Heather Evans. She is the Senior Volleyball Recruiting recruiting Coach for Next College Student-Athlete, which is a great organization. We do belong to it. Um, and she is going to help us... Um, navigate the waters of how to be the best coach you can be, how to be the best parent you can be, so that our student athletes, especially our high school student athletes, aren't uh, losing their shit.
0: I love that. Yeah, welcome, Super welcome Heather, to have you. And we usually start the podcast with a fantastic factoid, so we're not going to break code here. But I do want to <laughs> just beg our listeners to please, please go to Apple. Do you have if you have an Apple, go to the Apple and make a. <laughs> What do I ask oh for? A if this you vote in the banana, <laughs> if you have an iPhone, or
1: you don't need it, you don't even need an iPhone, Fran. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you don't, if you could find shrink wrap the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, it helps us out tremendously, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Or on Spotify, that's our other big. Yep, the big other big. Thank so. you, Brody. Yep, yep if you are, Spotify. Wherever you are currently Spotify. listening <laughs> to this podcast, when you go out of it, there'll be. <laughs> You're like how did you like that shit? And then you hit like five stars and then tell them why. Okay, awesome.
0: And it's okay. So here's a fantastic factoid. Brody is shaking his head at me. He's like <laughs> mocking me non-verbally and it's pissing me up. Anyway, okay. Fantastic factoid. There are more high school students using anti-anxiety medications and dealing with depression than ever before. So according to the National Federation of State High School Associations. 31.9% of adolescents have had some form of anxiety disorder, and of those, 8.3% have a severe impairment. The prevalence of any anxiety disorder among adolescents is higher for females at 38% than for males, 26.1%. Crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: So enlighten us, Heather.
0: What do we need to know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, first of all,
2: thank you so much for having me here. I am just honored, truthfully. Like, you think you're <laughs> geeking out? Like, I think you guys are secretly living my dream. This is really awesome. So thanks Aww, for having me here. Thank you. Um, I do want to go into a little bit of background of who I am and kind of how I got to this, you know, position that I'm in. So I was a three-sport athlete growing up, and I had three dreams at the age of 14. I wanted to be a Division one athlete. I wanted to be an Olympian. And I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow. And we're just going to speed right on through the fact that I did not do any of those. (laughs) It was really awesome to have those dreams and aspirations. But I know that was just not in the cards. And it was what was really hard is as a teenager, I thought that that defined my success. And even going into my 20s and 30s, that defined my success. So my recruiting story did end up in a happy place. I landed at North Dakota State University, which I Woo! love the fact that I went there. Horns up, Bison. Yes, go Bison all day. Oh. Yeah, and back then, they were a D2 program. And I have to tell you, I had it in my head that, oh, D1's the best. If I don't go D1, I'm nothing, you know? And who's going to live in Fargo, North Dakota? That's too close to home. <laughs> and no way am I going to go to North Dakota State. Well, I am so grateful that that coaching staff did not give up on me and take my, you know, just i was just naive i didn't know any better and and they're like heather just come on campus i'm like okay and then i got there and i was like i am home what Uh, was i thinking mm -hmm. like this is exactly where i belong i know that i'm going to be great here i love the girls i love the coaches i love the facilities everything's perfect and i was okay with it being three and a half hours away from home because keep in mind i just wanted to get out Mm -hmm. i wanted to leave you know and, Mm -hmm. and fly but um after north dakota state i went on and played professionally and that's a big deal oh, That's so cool. because um, a lot of people, you know, sometimes college is kind of the peak, you know, you're done playing competitively. And for me, I didn't really, I don't know, peak until my senior year of college. Like I was on my upward, you know, trend and getting better at athletics. So went on to play, loved it, got really homesick. It mm-hmm. was kind of crazy over in France. I really enjoyed it. My teammates were incredible, but I just wanted to be a little bit closer to home. And I really wanted to play in the States. We didn't have pro volleyball here.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: the only thing we had was pro beach volleyball. And I'll be honest with you, those are two different sports. Yeah. People are like, oh, volleyball is volleyball. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. You put sand under your feet, the sun in your eyes, and the wind all over the place. Good luck, my friend. That's and those tiny little
0: bathing suits. I mean, <laughs> what the hell is that about?
2: Yeah, I went from spandex, like shorts, you know, fully covered to like, hello, world. <laughs> billboard. Put something on me to like, you know, market, your- Company, but yeah, I went on and played professionally uh, beach volleyball. I toured domestically you did for five it. and a half years when I got back. I did, wow. so I just kept going and going and going. Um, but throughout that time, I also coached you know Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three volleyball. And the reason why I bring all this up is because I have such a rich history, and I'm I'm kind of old. I mean, I'm in my 40s. I've been around the block, you guys, and I've just seen this sport and and sports how they affect young men, young women. Parents mm-hmm. and and everything in between, being the college coach, the club administrator, the athlete myself, mm-hmm. and all those things, and I just and now sir, full circle. And I was telling the ladies this earlier. I'm a mom. Yeah, <laughs> I <have> a seven year old <laughs> daughter and a six year old son, and they're both gonna be freakishly tall. And you know, there's so many fun things that I'm excited about with their future. So it's it's a great topic that we're going to talk about this because I not only I would love to extend advice, and I, I hope I'm worthy enough to give you great advice, but I'm even here to get it, you guys, because yeah. <laughs> I'm right at the beginning of this journey, whereas mm-hmm. you guys are kind of the uh, the veterans, I think.
1: Yeah. How tall are you?
2: I am 6'1 nice. on a really good day.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think pregnancies like, smooshed my
1: yeah. my yeah. spine a little bit. Yeah. Kids <laughs> steal everything from you while yep. you're pregnant. It's- yeah.
0: I know it. I'm 5'3 on a good day, and... Guess what pregnancy did to me? It made my feet bigger. So go figure. (laughs) That was really, really helpful and built my self-esteem up right there. So tell us, where do you want to start? What kind of, where are you taking us?
2: Where am I taking you? I would love to talk about um, parents and their role uh, when it comes to supporting your athlete, maybe some do's and don'ts and and just help parents. Yes. Maybe just start there. Um, we could certainly get into athletes and, and guiding them too. But ultimately, I think that if parents, if athletes have a great support system, mm-hmm. um, they can be set up for success. Agreed. And so let's start with the parents, the person who sees them, hopefully majority of the time, uh, or guardians, um, coaches are probably number two on that list <laughs> <laughs> to be truthful. Um, uh, but parents, you know, I think you bring up a, when we talked about this in the past, um, preparing for this, we talked about kids or parents living vicariously through their athletes. Mm -hmm. And I feel almost guilty of that myself, even though my kids are Little, yeah, and it's just because I'm just dreaming, you guys. I'm looking at them and I'm like, Mm -hmm. they're gonna be so much better than we were, and and I'm excited for them. Mm -hmm. But I never want to overstep, and I'm really trying to check myself and my methods and my motivations. Um, Because let's let's be honest for a second, I did not accomplish my goals in life. (laughs) I did not accomplish my goals in life. Uh I didn't Mm -hmm. get there. Yeah, I I did some cool things, but I never got to what I wanted. And so I have to really check myself, Heather your kids are going to have a journey they're going to do their own thing if they go above and beyond you great if they don't guess what great yes. you know and i just have to keep i have to keep talking to myself about that but one bit of advice that i would like to share and i'd love to hear what you have to say is um here i am a parent i talked about i'm already dreaming you guys and they're so little but i have to keep myself balanced and have things in my life that excite me and keep me motivated and passionate outside of my kids Absolutely. outside of my family, Amen. outside of my work, yeah, outside of my work. And I'm excited to tell you, I have a beach volleyball tournament tomorrow <gasps> Good and you. I'm scared to death, but I'm, I'm excited because it's like, I've been training all summer. I've been kind of, you know, doing some things to make myself healthy and, you know, happy to just go and compete. And it has nothing to do with anybody else except me.
0: Good for you, you know, and,
2: and I think that's going to help me if I can keep doing that. I mean, I won't be able to play forever. Maybe I'll be a cribbage champion because I love cribbage, by the way. Um, <laughs> but do something outside of my kids so I don't, you know, yeah. get so wrapped up in, in their lives and, and their journey.
0: I think that's important, it is. And you know, the term that comes to my mind is intensive parenting, you know, where these parents nowadays, not everyone, but are really, really hardcore into. Mm-hmm. Teaching their kids, the more you work out, the more you work out, the better you're going to get. You have to do more and that kind of thing. And, and I think about like, I've, I've worked with kids over the years where their parents literally would not speak to them for three days if they didn't perform well on the, on the court, whatever, or whatever you know, what I would consider verbally abusing them, calling them names, calling them stupid, lazy, whatever it is after a game. And I just, you know, I understand sports are great. My kids were athletes, whatever, but your kids will always remember, always remember how you behaved after they performed Absolutely, and you can kill their joy.
1: I tell parents, you know, if they ask that, you know, the 1% of the 1% are going to go on past high school. And so to work your kids to the bone and not let them have a childhood, um, to me is just robbing them, you know, and, and maybe, and again, the, and then the 1% that go on to play college, and these are not hard and fast stats listeners. Mm-hmm. You should know that by now I don't have those. Um, but the 1% of the ones that go play collegiate are probably going to play division one. And so you're really pushing them. Yeah. Heather's like, yeah, that stats sucked. <laughs> She's like, oh, Becky, <laughs> but you really, you invest so much well, time and energy. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you invest, invest so much time and energy in what your kid's not going pro probably. I mean, maybe, but probably not.
2: Right. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, when it comes to, you know, playing at the next level, I, I think the disservice is there's not enough education on what's out there it's not just D one or nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I've li- I've literally lived and breathed not only collegiate volleyball, but college club, volleyball, college recreation, volleyball. This is a lifestyle mm-hmm. sport as, for volleyball, but even sports in general, some of these things you can play for a very long time. And it's not just a, a quick, you know, means to an end, you know, it's just, this is long going. It's something that can bring you joy for many, many years. So learning what's out there and then having realistic expectations for getting there. Mm -hmm. I think it's great to dream. I will never tell anybody, don't go for it. I'm going to support you. Grace, Mm -hmm. she's my kid. I'm going to support her in her dream. I'm also going to check her dream. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's dream. Let's go for it. Here's where we're at. Let's try and make sure we're prepared just in case that doesn't work out.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. You know,
2: and I'm doing that to make sure that we understand there is opportunity. I can absolutely do this. It just might look a little different sometimes.
1: Mm -hmm. She got a really great piece of advice recently. Um, When she was a freshman, she was on the varsity team. And one of the seniors from that team plays at U of M Concordia. And um, she reached out and she said, you know what, Grace, find a school that number one has a degree in what you want to do. Like, will they give you the education? And then number two, find a school where you're going to get the playing time you hope to get. And don't worry about Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, whatever. Just go where you think it's like, like you said, when you went to NDSU, you felt at home, and that's kind of what Hannah has told her. Like, just wherever feels like home. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And the only way to know that, it, what I love about kind of the recruiting journey and being a college coach, this is a relationship building business. This is not a transaction. Of course, that can be argued with other sports, but mm-hmm. from a volleyball lens, we're we're kind of a blue collar sport. Okay. Yeah. And we're trying to make, we're, we're trying to make families. You guys, I right. just had my bison girls weekend, yearly <laughs> annual weekend in Fargo last weekend. I had 16 best friends surrounding me that I've known for two decades That's awesome. that I will have for a lifetime. Right. How'd that yeah. happen? Sports, finding right. my exactly. home at the next level, looking for that overall best fit. Yeah, that's what I want. That's my dream for everybody I come across. Yeah, I really want them to experience that. And I don't care what division it is. Yeah, you know, because it can happen anywhere.
1: So I have to tell you the story. Um, So Grace was on a club team and they started practicing and she played with some of them last year, too. Um, But it was two girls from Aberdeen. And you know, South Dakota, so you'll get this. Um, the team was based out of Pier, so at least once a week, they would travel two and a half hours one way to do practice. And then um, I think there were four or five girls out of Pier, a couple out of Burke, Platt, whatever. And they le- they were like a well-oiled – I get goosebumps just talking about it. It was a beautiful, well-oiled machine. Those girls supported and loved each other. Well, so then nationals were end of June. That was great. And then end of July, we had what's called Future 50 and SummerSlam, which is an invite thing for teams and individuals. And um, some of her teammates were also at Future 50 – and we all sat together. We're all from different schools, but we all went, oh, the volleyball family's back. And then yesterday, her one teammate from Pierce signed on with Northern and selfishly, we're so excited because we'll get to watch her play um, at Northern State University. So it, they do. They become family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
2: yeah, do. And even my high school, think about all my, you know, teammates from basketball, fast pitch and volleyball. Yeah. They're still in my life, you know, right. like it's it's, it's, it's wonderful to have that. I just think it's extra family, you know, and people in your circle to help support you in this game of life. And, um, you bring up club and I think we should talk about club and we should talk, <laughs> this can maybe segue into balance, um, and back to what parents, you know, maybe some do's and don'ts. So what's a parent's role in an athlete's life mm-hmm. support, teach mm-hmm. them life skills to balance the basics of healthy living, eat, sleep you know, maybe some yeah. rest, <laughs> breathe, you know, just the basics of having a human body and the human experience. And, and it's even as a parent, it's hard to know how to get my kids the basics. Right. <laughs> I'm also, I'm sitting here with my ventilator, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I think that's what they need is, yeah. is that, and that's maybe where you guys could go into like, how can a parent really help with that overall best picture of taking care of your own, your one and only human body.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's hard. It's not just the body. You know, I think about the values that sports teach, you know, lifetime friendships, the ethic of hard work, respect, good sportsmanship, um, being dependable and reliable. I mean, all Mm -hmm. of those good values are, you're, you're networking with people, Mm -hmm. not just other athletes, but you're networking with other adults and coaches. I mean, as a parent, that's what I was hoping to promote, especially sportsmanship. It's like that to me is can be life-changing, not only lifting up your own teammates, but lifting up another Team that played their heart out and you beat them anyway, and really appreciating that effort. I will say, as a
1: parent, when we were at Nationals, and I'm going to just toot our horn again, we did get second um, in our division. The, yeah, the girls. The gr- See, I said we, and that's something we're going to talk about. The girls got second, and yes they played their yeah. heine's off. Um, but one of the comments we got from a handful of teams, the parents would come over and say, Gosh, you got a good group of girls. Like they encourage each other. They're not rolling their eyes at the coach. They're not saying snarky things to the refs like that is that is something to be proud of and a lot of the teams we played we were able to say that in return too there were a lot of really really I think poised young athletes there mm-hmm. and then there were some that you're like mm, it felt so good to beat you I know this isn't good but it felt great to just make sure you don't go on yeah so because I'm human yeah yeah <laughs> No, I think going back to some of that, you know, with, with having a three sport athlete myself, it is hard. And I remember she came home from, um, track this fall and she goes, yeah, I fell over today. And I'm like, what? She's not very graceful despite her name. And she goes, yeah, I (laughs) fell over. I'm like, why'd you fall over? She goes, I don't know, I just fell over. So she comes back, she comes home the next day. I said, how was track today? Well, I fell over again. And I said, okay, I want you to log into my fitness pal and I want you to log, what do you typically eat? You know, just what does a typical day mm. in the life of Grace look like? And it was about twelve to 1,400 calories. And I oh. went, and her sister has her master's in exercise science. So I said, okay, oh, no. we're we're going to get on with Allison, and we're going to come up with, she doesn't like to eat a lot. And I said, that's fine, but we're going to come up with, we're going to have to be more focused. You're going to have to be more intentional because yeah. you yeah. have to. I said, Grace, you're on the go all the time. You have to fuel that.
0: Yeah, And so we're talking about the f- The physical things we have to tend to as parents of athletes, teaching the values, but also focusing on helping your kids be well-rounded. I mean, mm-hmm. there's more to life than just sports. And when you're really good as an athlete, right. that is constantly being pushed and pushed and pushed. Right. But what about if you're really freaking smart or what about if you're really c- creative or musical? And it's like, I think we rob kids sometimes just because you're really great at something doesn't mean that has to be your sole focus in life. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I will say at Aberdeen Central, I see them do a pretty good job of that, quite honestly. With you well-roundedness. Know? Right. Yeah. yeah. We've got a lot of student athletes who are also part of show choir or, um, you know, concert band or whatever it might be. And the coaches do try to work together to mm-hmm. do that. But, and I'm glad to see that. And like one of the things our volleyball coach sent out to me last year was, um, how academically we all got re- all the, we see, I did it again, Heather. Um, all the students got recognized because I want to say they were 3.5 and above. Was the collective. And yeah, she's like, she goes, I know, you know, Facebook and stuff. So put this out on Facebook.
0: But that's where the mental health issues come because you've got an athlete that's super small. Many of them are, they get good grades, right? And they're great athletes. And then they feel this intense pressure, like, okay, I have to be better. I have to do more. And then you are the one that told me about the book, what made Maddie run. And that is a very good book about an athlete that made it to an Ivy league school And became more and more clinically depressed and what happened to her. But that is what can happen. Yeah. She committed suicide. And so, you know, yes, thank you. She died by suicide. (laughs) We're trying to change our language on the podcast. So, yeah, I didn't know that. Thank
2: you for that. I didn't know there was a new language that I need to learn.
0: Yeah, we do that because when you say committed
1: suicide, it's like they did a bad act. Mm -hmm. And there's already enough guilt and shame for everybody. So we like to say died by suicide. That's just just a little thing that I get a little persnickety about. Um, I want to talk about the we thing because I've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, Heather, since I'm, well, you talk about it, the information about the we.
2: Yeah, so actually, you know, you brought up the topic of what we could be discussing. I kind of surveyed my team at NCSA, um, recruiting managers, recruiting coaches, um, different administrators, like because they all have you know, played in college, been high school athletes, done the things, right? So I was like, what do you guys think? And one of the uh little nuggets was let's get rid of let's change that language. When someone asks you, how'd your team do as a parent, you don't say, we did great. (laughs) Maybe just they did great. And it's really hard because as a parent, come on, you guys, we're the ones paying the bills. We're the ones making some magic happen. We are the ones driving them most of the time for how many years? It
1: feels like a we. It is a team.
2: I get Mm -hmm. it. But maybe when it comes to performance on the court, we're just kind of. They
1: that's a nice great. delineation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when a lot of us say we, and I'm going to put myself in this category, it's not because I think I contributed to anything that happened on the court, but it's that sense of um, school pride. You know, we yeah. as yeah. Golden Eagle Volleyball really did well, but I can see where that makes a big difference.
2: Mm-hmm. And how is it impacting you? Because yeah. maybe for, for, for you, um, Becky, if, if you're not owning it, right? Like, some of our parents are, but Some it could our, come our across like, like that I was know. all me.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it
2: could, and it's more—it's more about you as a parent. You meaning all of us. um, How healthy are you in your own mind, body, and soul when it comes to your athlete? Right. You know, and letting them soar. And if you can detach and know that I'm saying we because I love my community. Yeah, and this is great. That's fine, but if you're literally, oh, I did this,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: we have got, we got to talk. To you, yeah. you know, talk we, up the yeah. ledge a little
1: bit. There. We need to have a little check there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because uh, then it's like, how are you, what's, what's your language like to your student athlete? Right. What's your message to them? Um, and, you know, what sort of pressure are you putting on them? You know, what's interesting about parents and in my role, I mentor a lot of families and I, you know, work to help them get to higher education and try and find their ways on volleyball rosters. But I work with totally different parents. I work with parents who are all consuming and doing literally everything mm-hmm. for their athletes. I also work with parents who are like, she's never going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. just completely and and everything in between and I'm just floored by it. Mm-hmm. I never had I came from a single parent family. My mom never ever pressured me. If anything she was too hands off. Mm-hmm. You know, she was just like she was looking at me like I don't know what you're doing girl but go get them, you know. And there okay. were times where I didn't do well with coaches. I was a, not always the best sport <laughs> for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was not good. I had to learn that the hard way for decades, but um, she wanted to step in. She wanted to inject, interject because mm-hmm. I'm her baby, you know, but she didn't know what to say. And she kind of knew her role. Like, I'm just going to support my daughter to have a voice and go fight her battle. Yeah. Hey, Heather, I hear you. Let me dry those tears. Here's my shoulder. Go say something. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times she didn't even have to do that because I just kind of, I don't know, I watched my cousins or my uncles and other people. I just kind of Did that a little bit more naturally, but I think that we need that more Mm -hmm. is to help those uh, athletes fight their own battles a little bit and speak up and, you know, they'll be out of the nest soon. And that's a life skill, right? Is advocating for yourself.
0: And tame um, their shit down as hard as it can be. Tame them down. If they think they're great, you know, somebody needs to be like, yeah, you are great, but uh, tame it down. When my daughter was six years old, she ran in like this midget run. They always had this race and it was anyway she's super competitive. So every year she'd win and she'd get a big medal and they'd take a picture. Six years old. She gets in the car again. She won another medal. And mom, that was really easy. I don't know why we don't have any competition and blah, blah, blah. I pull over and I'm like, okay, we need to have a talk because that's called bragging and like nobody's going to want to talk to you and nobody's going to like you and blah, blah, blah. Psychologist, you need to do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so she just sits there for a minute and she goes, so can I I my medal to school tomorrow. <laughs> 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 hell no, you cannot. (laughs) But you know, seriously, being, being the parent that also helps them navigate, even if you are a great athlete, you know, you have to be kind still, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to be aware of how your behavior. Yes, humility. humility. Amen.
1: Yeah. I think that kind of segues into a question I have for you. And that is, you know, as far as a parent and giving feedback, you know, we've heard so many things like don't talk to them for 24 hours, talk to them right away. Don't talk to them at all. Let them approach you. I, what do you, what do they recommend?
2: So parents giving a student athlete feedback Correct. or getting a coach?
1: Feedback. No, no, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. They're student athlete.
2: The student athlete. I, I definitely love a 24 hour rule kind of mm-hmm. for anybody, especially, you know, sports, you get the adrenaline pumping. Yeah. I mean, it is tension. It is, I mean, we're flying. It's like a drug. You guys, it is right. right? Hormone, adrenaline's a drug hormone, something. I don't know. Um, science It's fun, but <laughs> yeah. 24 hours. Let's, let's let it calm down. Let's let the dust settle. Let them process as a student athlete. They need time to sit in it, whatever it is that they're in. They might be joyful. They might be sad and unhappy. Keep an eye on them. Make sure they're safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it's, if they're really down in the dumps, maybe you need to check in sooner, but, um, you know, maybe like a serious talk or like a, let's talk about your play or kind of reflection. I I think 24 hours is fantastic or Mm -hmm. set a date. Hey, um, maybe you have it in your calendar on saturdays at 4 p.m we sit down and we watch film together i don't know how much you want to get into into that with them but you know film i never realized well let's be honest i had access to a vhs tape when i Mm -hmm. was growing up so come on i didn't have film but now you have film of everything yeah um you have film of your food i mean it's just ridiculous so now what can we do with that because film can be such a great coach coaches are awesome but I know I'm telling you until I understood how to na- analyze film and watch myself yeah. play without silly judgment, like, oh, look at my fat legs. Like, right. come on, you know, until I learned, oh, this is what my coach was trying to get me to do. And, oh, that's what I'm doing. And I could change that. I know what that feels like mm-hmm. or watch another athlete. One of the best ways I yeah. got good at volleyball, I watched a UNO player. I cannot think of her name, Tracy Ankeny or something like that. She was, she was beautiful. And I remember watching film of her cause we scout our opponents and I thought, Ooh, look at that shot. I wonder if I can do that shot. Cause she had oh, this cool. shot in her arsenal. It was like a cut shot. And I thought, I'm going to try that in, mm-hmm. in, in practices. i I'm like, she's scoring with it. She's a goddess.
0: Mm-hmm. So <laughs>
1: try not. Yeah.
2: And, and, and I just learned from watching someone way better than me, mm-hmm. which was fun. I didn't see that as like, I'm jealous of you. I'm, I'm so mad at you. You know, I just. I want to beat you. And maybe if I try on what you're doing, I could potentially do that and be better than you. So I don't know. It's maybe a healthy way to improve Mm -hmm. and change your lens on how you're reflecting on how you played.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, that does make perfect sense. I think too many parents want to write after the competition, whatever it might be, basketball, football, soccer, and we're going to do a play by play. Mm hmm. And in fact, we were just talking about this in our house the other night about what was feedback like for me growing up. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, my parents were never critical, but I would come home and if I made 10 out of 13 free throws. My dad would tell me, um, here's here's what you could have done differently with those other three. Not that they were bad, but here's what you could have done differently. And it it becomes that internal message of, okay, I need to be better. It doesn't matter that I made 10 out of 13. Right. I missed 3 and I need to be better. Mm-hmm. And and I know he wow. never meant it that way. He's just not like that, but that's how it came across. Right. And so I do we talk all the time about being very careful with your words and we make mistakes all the time as parents. Yeah.
2: And, it, and it won't end. We're going to continue to. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: <laughs> but how do we react and how do we recover from it and maybe yeah. own it? Um, my, my fiance, he grew up in a basketball family. He went on and played in college. He played professionally overseas. His father was one of the basketball coaches and just way in it. I mean, just so connected. Um, they'd have those kind of talks. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't have that, you know, I had, a I had more <laughs> yeah. of a mom that was like, I don't know what you're doing, but this is so cool. Good job. You know? And I'm like, mom, I literally hit every ball out of bounds. Like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you hit it hard, baby girl.
2: Good job. Uh, (laughs) She was the best cheerleader ever. Um, but I always wondered what that was like. Cause I, I kind of wish I had a little bit of that, but I can see how it'd be too much. So like, just what did you think of that? Like, did you like that your dad even talk to you like later that night, just to talk a little
1: technical. oh talk? he you know what or he was did you want time? He was I don't even remember that part because it was just a couple of years ago. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, let's just say it was permed hair and aquanet. Oh, let me tell you, God, um, I don't remember. I just remember um actually feeling kind of lucky that my dad did come to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what he had going on, no matter how busy he was, he was always at everything. Um, so I, that's what I remember the most. It's funny that you say that because my husband is actually, he understands volleyball from a technical standpoint. We didn't have it growing up in our small town. And so I am the one that will be like, oh my gosh, Grace, you did such a great job. And then she'll be like, oh, my form was this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, it looked good. Yeah. It looked pretty. So <laughs> who yeah. cares? Yeah. And then he can yeah. provide her more of a technical input if she wants it.
0: And but, Heather, like what you said about being supportive as a parent, that's what I hear in therapy yeah. from a lot of kids. They're like, my parents were at all of the games or tried to be at all of the games, just showing up, yes, just taking the time to be there. You know, that means so much.
1: And I might be off with this, but I want, I'd want i love your input on this. To me as a parent, kind of if you need a barometer of am I too intensive, am I not too intensive, for me, when I see Grace hit a good shot, I like I get goosebumps. I'm, I go frickin bananas. And it's not because my daughter just hit a great shot, but it's the look on her face right after mm-hmm. where you can just see, see. her joy. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my kid feels good. Like my kid feels so good right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
2: On celebrating?
1: Yeah, like just knowing that, you know, if you're happy, because it's your kid who just did a good thing, that maybe you need to take a step back. But if you're happy, because your kid did a good thing, and you're just happy for your kid, then that's maybe a little more healthy. I don't want to put myself out yeah, there as the I healthiest would, parent, because I'm definitely. not by any stretch.
2: I So let me let me tell you, this kind of makes me think of um, difference between beach volleyball and indoor volleyball. So indoor volleyball, parents are known to be Literally crazy. Like we are. (laughs) It can be it can be great support, outstanding, you know, people rising and jumping off their seats and going nuts and screaming and hollering and just having a great time. Um, or there can be screaming and yelling and negativity and and, insanity. And and it's just it's it's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Indoor is a lot. In Beach, um, Beach has a culture where you're not you can't coach at all. Like coaching (laughs) for beach volleyball and parenting for beach volleyball it's it's like golf like zip it like nobody oh. can talk right mm. and it's a little intimidating cuz the culture of beach it's all about the players play the game they're in charge they have to call their own timeouts they have to fight for their own calls like if they're like that ball's in they have to go do that there's no coach standing up raising you know lord knows what to make something happen for that team and it i'm coaching beach here in northern colorado and we had a little tournament and i remember talking to the parents and they're they're diving into this new culture because they're coming from indoor to beach. And they're at the point where they're so scared to say anything that they don't say anything at all. And so they're over there secretly going, yes, (laughs) when their kids or their players do something good. And I said, you're allowed to cheer. You know, (laughs) it's it's what you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to give technical advice. You're not allowed to tell your athlete what is the opponent doing. You can't coach, but can you support Yes. And so to me, Becky, I celebrate the fact that you celebrate, like, I love that. And what I would encourage all parents to do is celebrate your child, but also celebrate the team. Even if your child did not, if she didn't touch a ball during that whole rep, but we got the point, we, if that's where the community is, get off your seat. Have some fun with that because all of those kids yes. have that joy on their face, not just your athlete. No. So maybe try something like that. But I haven't gotten that part yet, yeah. Becky. Like I haven't tried it because so I haven't fun. seen, you know, anything yet from my kids. I mean, yeah, I'm not there yet as a parent. What do you think, Brandy? Like you had to, you went through that a little bit?
0: Yeah, and it was. Yeah, you as a parent feel like the team mom, really, yeah, literally. You love all, your all kids. of the kids because they're <laughs> at your house all the time yeah. and you're taking them out and you're sometimes washing all the uniforms and whatever. It's like that is a beautiful thing that families extend in that way.
1: We also celebrate um, like not the not our student athletes outright. We'll talk about it after a game. But as parents, we'll celebrate if the opponents do something well because they too are somebody's kid mm-hmm. and they too are working really hard and when it's a you know whatever a nice three point shot or a nice block or a good dig or whatever it might be um it's just you just get excited for them
2: yeah yeah there's um when i coached at minnesota state it was a d2 program uh, i think they still are and and the head coach that i was under he was like a little yoda i mean he just <laughs> Oh, he was just, he just blew my mind at all times. Little, I just felt like I was carrying a notepad to write down everything he was saying. Um, Dennis Amundsen, Ami, shout out, love him. Mm -hmm. Look him up. Anyways, he had these little rules and these little things to help us out. And one of them was respect your opponent. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: What? Respect my opponent? Why? I don't even like them. (laughs) (laughs) I was such a, oh, you guys, I was such a brat. But when I started thinking about what is that like? How do I respect my opponent? Oh, they're probably training too. Oh, they're probably struggling with balance too. Like they're living life. They're human too. Like when you humanize that, holy cow, like that was just so cool. And it didn't matter if my opponent was not very good or if my opponent was way better than me. Respect them. Play hard. Play your best game so you can get that even keel. Respect the effort. Not too high. Not too low. So respect your opponent. And I think I do love that idea that I I never tried that on of like cheering for the other team, you know, like that's kind of cool.
0: Hey, Becky, why is the Northern State University graduate program in counseling so awesome? I could go on forever, but let's talk
1: about the fact that you can get a clinical degree where you can work in private practice or an agency Mm -hmm. where you can get a school counseling degree on the school track where you can work in a school as private Private school, parochial school, public school, any school you want to. And then my favorite what? Forensic counseling. Super yes. cool. Yeah, but is
0: it K Crab approved?
1: It is K. crew And you're like, what does that mean? You know what? It means that it has the gold standard of grad schools.
0: Super awesome. But can I afford it? Because I don't have a lot of money.
1: It's okay. If you go to northern.edu, yeah. you can um, apply for some scholarships. They have a couple of counseling-specific scholarships, in addition to some other really fantastic scholarships that a guidance counselor or an admissions counselor can help you with.
0: Awesome. Be northern. Unleash your potential, baby. Oh. And as parents, I mean, I've seen parents yell at players on the other team and lose it on the sidelines. And my kid played soccer. And I remember that parent getting not only kicked off the field, he was ordered to go across the street because he still wouldn't shut up. (laughs) And it's like, what kind of modeling are you providing? I mean, everybody is out there trying to do the best they can, you know, yelling at another teammate unless they're being really, really horrible. That's I mean, come on, just hold that shit in. (laughs) I think this goes into
1: another thing you had touched on, and that is when as a parent do you call the coach? And how do you like one of one of your colleagues had some pretty good advice on that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know I used to be a club director. So we always always talk about the you know chain of command or um, communication pathways. Like how do who does what when? So conflict resolution there's a conflict or there's just a topic that needs to be discussed it doesn't even have to be a conflict uh, step one athlete go to coach <laughs> that needs to happen and it's not just it can be athlete with multiple coaches or like some sort of you know safe meeting um, where we can just talk this out and bring this topic up then sit wait see what happens if, if there's you know even more that needs to be done then athlete you know needs to potentially bring the parent in but the athlete does the initiating you know it's not the parent inserting themselves it's somehow the athlete you know initiating all those little conversations to get to a resolution um you know then you advance yourself through to the athletic director I mean it depends on what it is you know is it peer to peer I you know I wrote a handbook when I was a high school coach for a page just on that for the parents mm-hmm. of when we have issues, when you have a grievance, when your athlete has a grievance, this is how we're going to handle it. And then stick to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't let, you know, if a parent's heated and they come and corner you after a tournament. So in terms of like a coaching advice, I will talk to you in 24 hours. Yes. You know, like, please eat, go collect your thoughts. Email me in 24 hours. Don't email me tonight don't blow me up tonight. Don't talk to me tonight. Go sit, organize yourself and then come back to it. And I think that's true for the athletes. It's true for the parents. Everybody needs to just kind of go to your corner (laughs) reflect. And then the next morning when you wake up, um, you might actually have a different lens after you've cooled off.
0: And I think it's a great life skill to teach a kid. It's not just a coach. If you have an issue with a coach, it could be with your teacher. It could be with a friend. It could be with anybody. Getting that kid to be confident enough to be like, "Okay, you need to handle this. What do you think it's appropriate to say? How Mm -hmm. are you going to say it? And and letting them do that time and time again, because that to me is teaching a skill that's invaluable. And I think the 24 hours is another skill. Mm -hmm. It's teaching
1: them the difference between, you know, in the counseling world, we have wise mind, we have emotional mind and rational mind. It teaches you to get out of that emotional mind and then kind of collect yourself a little bit.
2: Yes. I actually have the, uh, dialectal behavior therapy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. DBT, baby. I've
2: got the the big, I've got the big book. Like I play with it. It's really fun. There's so many great transferable like skills that, you know, mental skills that you can apply to life and sports. But my colleague, I think one of the, one of them brought up, um, her father, you know, when he would get heated, he might be someone like the father that's yelling at the other team or yelling at her team or yelling at a ref, you know, or yelling at somebody just yelling Um, and how he tried, he had to kind of contain himself and he decided to volunteer. He decided to Mm -hmm. volunteer, to be a ref volunteer, to be a coach volunteer, to be in some sort of support role, not just as a fan that way it helped him stay professional, still being supportive and still being there. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe for the, some of those parents who are pretty heated and get a little negative and get a little, a little over the top, try on being a solution, Mm -hmm. you know, to the problem that you're seeing. Um, we love to yell at refs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Yeah. Refing is tough. Refing is very hard, and we're in a shortage, by the way. So yeah. take it easy on the refs. They need, yes, they need training. Yes, they need to get better at their jobs. But they're a work in progress, just like we are. So that yeah. uh, we have a ref in our adult leagues. He goes, "The day that you play a perfect game is the day that I'll ref the <laughs> perfect match." I'm like, <laughs> that's okay, so I, I see. The you. only <laughs>
1: time I get super fired up at officials is if they are not calling things that could cause injury. That drives me yeah. bananas. Like, okay, it was out of bounds. It wasn't out of bounds, whatever. But when you're not calling things that can result in an injury, that gets me hot as a parent.
2: Oh, as a coach, I go nuts. I mean, I'm an off the bench coach anyways, but when I think that someone's going to get hurt, hurt, mm-hmm. mm-mm. like that is your number one job is to make yeah. sure
1: everybody's safe.
0: Okay. So what do you think in a lot of small towns, coaches are coaching their own kids? What's your thoughts hmm. about that?
1: Words of advice for both the I'm coach. going
0: to do it.
2: Oh, Okay. I'm not going to do it. I, You guys, when I got pregnant with my firstborn, or my, she wasn't born yet. When I got pregnant, first time, (laughs) um, I started having panic attacks because I started imagining, I found out she was a girl for one thing. And then I started imagining those teenage years. And I started panicking and crying and freaking out because I'm like, oh, those are going to be nuts. But I also started thinking about, well, here I am. I have this background in sports. What if she wants to play volleyball? What am I going to do? Especially if I'm in a small community, big community you know what resources does she have to get good at whatever sport she wants to and what's my role to help her there um i've battled with that in my current status i am not going to coach my kids i'm mm-hmm. purposefully not going to do that because i i kind of know myself and i know that i need to i need to be more of a a support and a volunteer i like the idea of being a volunteer i don't want to be in charge mm-hmm. right and i've actually coached under parents who coached or coaches who coached their own players and i've seen the tension. I've seen the heart and the hardness and the heartache. It's, it can be really, really hard on everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, where's the fairness? At what point do you get to draw a line? I mean, at some point, you're only doing this because it's your kid. I mean, it gets ugly. So I think parents in a small community, I don't know that you have a lot of choices. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. you just, you're the only one raising your hand saying to do it. God bless you, please. Like somebody at least do it. Um, But then community Let's be supportive of the fact that that parent raised their hand and help them be successful. Don't just complain about that person and they're doing this, they're doing that and be assumptive. Like, no, is assumptive a word? No, (laughs) sit with them (laughs) and and say, Hey, how can we support you? We don't, we don't want to be in charge, but we see you, you know, doing what you can. How can we make this successful and fair so that you can be a great coach and have that boundary of coach versus parent. Uh, but me personally, I, I'm going to have a hard time. I don't want to be in charge because I don't think that I'm, first of all, I'm going to be harder on my kid. I'm going to be mean. And, and I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, some coaches are the opposite. They coddle their cut kid and favor their kid. And it, it, I think it's a fine line. You got to dance, um, but you need other people around you to support you and keep you in check so you can be successful. I
1: mm-hmm. like that. People that'll keep you in check and just yeah. give you honest feedback one way or another, what you're doing well and, and what maybe you need to explore a little bit. That's a really good idea.
2: Even praise you a little bit. You you need support. Those parents that are playing both parent coach role and kind of felt they felt out of necessity to do it because nobody else would do it. They need you guys, you know, they need you to support them and help them. they, yeah, they raise their hand, but that doesn't mean they know everything. Mm -hmm. And then, Hey, parents who are coaches know that you don't know everything.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Like, I think, yeah. I think a high level or parents that really, really want to do it. I, I think they're better in a volunteer situation mm-hmm. instead of head or, oh, sure. you know, in charge of program or even a team parent. You know, we have that role a lot in high school and club programs
0: yeah.
2: where you get to be involved. You're in like the coaches meetings. I don't know, but you're just not all the way in charge.
1: Yeah.
0: That's so how idea. are you handling it? Like if you have an athlete and you're really noticing this person has anxiety, they have depression, it's like, how do you address it?
2: First thing I do, and, and this has happened um, recently too with athletes that I work with is I, I'm proactive in asking them how they're doing. And I really focus on listening. Um, my, my first step is to open the door and make sure that they know 100% that I'm here and I'm approachable, um, and that I'm going to shut my mouth and listen with my ears. So that's really a maturity that I got to as a coach. It's taken two decades to get there. You know, like I'm slower to act and, and, uh, faster to listen these days than I ever have been. And I just really wish that I would have done that as a younger coach. Uh, more, because I think the younger you are, the ego is a little bit higher and you think that you have, you know, all the answers and you know, this and that. And I think that if coaches can just start with, I recognize there's an athlete that maybe looks like they're struggling with anything, anxiety, depression, some tension at home, check in with them. If, if it's text message, if it's email, if it's face to face, how are you? I want to sit down and I want to know how you're doing. Sometimes the athlete doesn't want to talk about it. They're they're not ready. They're, they might even be caught off guard. Mm-hmm. It might be like, "What's what's your angle here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why are you why are you talking to me?" You know, and making sure that you have that culture in place, or at least you're trying to get to that point where you mm-hmm. are open um, to letting your athlete talk to you. Then find out how you can assist them by providing resources. You are not a therapist. You are not a psychologist. You are not a counselor. If you are, different story. Mm-hmm. But if you're not. <laughs> If you don't have the certifications, the credentials, the education, the training, know your role and go get them the resources they need. Um, there's an athlete that I worked with. I I recognized depression, anxiety. We I opened up with her. I shared my story. Um, I lost my brother. What did he? He died by suicide. Died okay, by suicide. That's right. right? Yeah. Sorry Died to by hear suicide. That. So yeah, and thank you. I mean, it, it it's rough, but it was it, it's going to happen, right? And to some of us. And I opened up to that athlete to let her know my own struggles with depression, anxiety, and and things in my life. And that allowed her to open up to me. And we didn't cross a line. We're just sharing Mm -hmm. and opening. And then then I didn't try to solve her problem. I just tried to relate to her and let her know that I'm here if she wants to talk. Then get her the resources. Hey, I found this great book that actually helped me when I was going through this. Or I actually have a therapist. Feel free to go find your own. You know, and Mm -hmm. do you need help finding one? I mean, whatever it is. Um, so what do you think of that? Cause I would love to hear your lens. Cause that's kind of the trend that, that I've been taking on as a coach lately.
0: Well, we love Ted Lasso. Have you watched that show? Oh. Yeah.
2: I, is it, are we going to get another season ever? I, like what's yeah, happening? I know. I know
0: it. And I love the fact that they're normalizing mental health and that everyone, you know, they have somebody on staff that's helping. And I just think a lot of athletes get, There's still stigma. You know, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to fight through the pain. Mental health issues are weakness and that kind of thing. And I just think the more coaches talk about it, that you're going to be a better athlete if you address this issue, than try to hide it or feel ashamed about it. The more we normalize that's what we do in our podcast. We're just freaking killing the stigma of it. Let's talk about it. Let's get you what you need. Just like if you sprained your ankle, we'd be getting you some help for that immediately.
2: Yes. Yeah. Great point.
1: Great point. I have so I'm going to switch tracks a little bit here. Um, one of the questions that I have going through my mind, and and since we have you here, I want to ask you: How much training is too much training? Like physical training, like breathing.
2: <laughs> Even God took a day off when he created the planet. Like, let's right. go, you know?
1: Right. Um, I mean, in all seriousness,
2: I'm I am not. I have unpopular opinions. I'm not a fan of the current status and club. I do not agree with the fact that it's practically 9 months long right. for some of these athletes. So, a number one you have to be mindful of your family. like you got to get a calendar out as a family and sit down and say, here is when we're going to do sports, here's when we do vacations, here's when you're just taking a break and you're doing nothing. Here's when you're sitting down with your friends. I mean, it's it's micromanaging your calendar, but it's also taking control of your calendar. Because realistically, and especially when that pandemic hit, there was zero days off for full calendar years. Right. They're like, we got to catch up. Oh, guess what happened? Injury, spike, depression, right. spike, like nothing good came of that. So we, club needs to chill out, which is never going to happen because it makes too much money. Sorry. But I missed the days when I was a multi-sport athlete. You know how long my club season was for volleyball? One month. Mm. Oh, Wow. Wow the month of June, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to be a kid. I got to be a volleyball athlete in volleyball mm-hmm. season. I got to be a basketball athlete in basketball yeah. and fast pitch and fast pitch in the summer. That's when I got to get into my off-season training and go nuts onto whatever it was I wanted to get good at. We don't have that luxury today. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're ever going to, but can we trend closer to it? Yeah. Like, can we get to a point where our kids can be excited to play on a high school team instead of having to choose? Because now we're saying, right. you got clubs saying, oh, you don't need high school, just be done with it.
1: Hello, high school
2: sports is the one thing that mirrors college athletics, balancing academics day in and day out, Mm -hmm. you know, practices, matches, a community supporting you. We need high school athletics. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are making kids choose is killing me personally. It's making me sad because I'm seeing negative effects out of it. Um, So I'm going on a tangent. So with like the idea of balance club's not going to go away. So parents, that's where you get to be the hero. Yeah. Okay, here we go. What are your interests this school year? Right. How's this really going to look? And guess what? You're taking days off. I don't care what that coach says. I don't care what that coach says. Or you do care. Go talk to the coach yeah. and say, this is a value, a non-negotiable da- value.
1: We need days off. I love that you because say training, that, Heather. But yeah, when your student yeah. athlete knows that he or she and might get benched,
0: Right. Or do not have enough playing time. They're going to be yeah. punished for that.
1: I know. And it happens in I hate that every sport. It happens at every school. And so I don't want any coaches listening right now to go, oh, my gosh, Becky and Fran are talking about us. It happens everywhere. And I see it all the time. Everywhere. Um, and and I, so from my point of view, I would like and you can tell me how realistic I am with this. I would like coaches to chill a little bit. <laughs> And, Um, and that there is academics and there is family time. Like we're huge on family time. Um, And that doesn't always, I mean, we know we have schedules we have to work around because coaches have schedules they have to work
0: around. But it's a (laughs) shift in societal values. You know, the shift was, it used to be church and God. Then it, then it became academics. You know, you raised your kids to be educated and do well in school. Then sports came along and now I don't care what else is going on whether you got a big test or you've got communion. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, They're like I you got to get to your practice. That's the number one priority right now athletics. And mm-hmm. so why, you know, why are we as a society deciding that this is the most important thing?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't like it. I I would be on board with starting something that changes what we have going on right now, um, but what can we do? Let's talk about solution focus. So we got to get administrators that value balance because yeah. if administrators are valuing it, then the coaches can be held accountable to about, to, um, to value it. And a lot of times I've worked for different, college or, uh, different coaching staffs and the, the coach has initiated, okay, here's our time commitment. These are the months we have together. This is when we're in season. This is when we're da-da-da-da-da. Here are our scheduled breaks. So I've had, co- I've been on coaching staffs where we have intentionally tried to find time where these kids can breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's been well-received. We're also playing high level. So it's sure. we're not compromising our training, we're not compromising our growth, we, we're enhancing it. Because our kids can sit and breathe for a second, and we're mindful of the other things they right. have in their life, like family, friends, academics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really starts with administrators and coaches, club and high school. Where are your values? What are you really trying to do here? It's not about win at all costs. We're developing humans. Right. Go back to the basics of sport and why we do this.
1: And I think, too, it's easy as a coach or a parent to look at your teenager and go, well, they're not doing anything anyway. What are they going to go do? Just drive around for a couple hours? Well, not a lot this summer with the price of gas. But sometimes that's what they do. Yeah and who
0: cares and why shouldn't they
1: they're 14 yep. 15 18 years old let them go sit at the lake and just stare at it i don't know what teenagers do mm-hmm. a lot of tiktok that's what I, mean, I can see but yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so you <laughs> shouldn't be scared you let should let, be afraid yeah, but very i want to bring up one more topic um and this one i i oh. think is really important and that is there's a lot of sexual abuse that goes on in sports by mm-hmm. coaches mm. and that topic is taboo you know and Or just abuse in general. Can I throw that out there? Verbal abuse. Verbal. And I'm not, I'm not saying bad. We have bad coaches. I think they are definitely in the minority, but you have to educate your athletes that if your coach is texting you about the way you look or about meeting them privately or about texting you about what your body looks like or wanting to meet with you one on one, these things happen and athletes need to be aware of it and they need to know that that has to be reported immediately. And who do you report it to that has to be talked about? It does.
1: And I think not only the sexual abuse, but I think more of the emotional abuse because I think it happens more often Mm -hmm. and it's done under the guise of motivation. Mm -hmm. And uh, personally, I think it's just pure bullshit. You don't get to bully little kids Mm -hmm. and call it motivation. And I'm not using the term bully yeah. lightly. Like that is not a term I like a lot because I think it gets overused. But it's it's exactly what's happening. And it drives me bananas. Yeah. And I think a plan needs to be in place for that, too. How are we going to address that?
2: We we do have a lot of systems in place. I mean, from a national level um, and a local level, there's a lot of training that is mandatory for coaches in this day and age where they have to sit through sexual abuse and misconduct and reporting, mandatory reporting. I mean, I just did another training in July and I have to do it every single year. Mm -hmm. I could do the quizzes in my sleep, but the system won't let me go to the next page. It forces me to watch this video. It forces me to read this material, to do this quiz. So for one thing, the education is getting better for the coaches to be, listen, you can't act like this anymore. This ain't the good old boy days, like where you could just throw chairs and and (laughs) do whatever you think you want to do. Is it still happening? Unfortunately, yes, our kids are being abused sexually, emotionally, physically. There's some really terrible things happening, but I'd like to think that the training we're getting and that's being made required by, for coaches and administrators that maybe there's some improvement. I like what you're saying, Franny, is that the kids need that training too, to recognize abuse, to recognize bad behavior. I think they get a little, like in our school, I know there's some talks about it, but maybe what does that really look like from a national standpoint? Are they aware of their rights as a student athlete and Mm recognize that abuse? And what is their step to a solution when it's happening to them? I think that'd be an interesting podcast maybe one day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I think allows it to keep happening is with mandatory reporting, a lot of athletics and educational institutions go up the chain of command. You can't just pick up the phone and call law enforcement And I think the policy, what is the policy? Those kids need to know what that policy is because I am in full favor of direct reporting. I'm not going up no chain of command. I'm calling the police and I'm calling social services or whoever because a lot of times the reputation of the institution is more important than the safety of the child. And we've seen that with Penn State, all kinds of universities and settings like that.
1: And I think, too, yeah. you know what you're saying, Heather, that, you know, we have this mandatory education. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of the perpetrators of these things or the ones that enable it, they just go, well, that doesn't happen here. So I'll watch this and I'll click mm-hmm. my boxes. But this doesn't apply to me at yeah. all. Um, and, yeah. you know, exactly. as a parent, yeah, I've, you know, recently had to be very vocal about that. Um, that this wasn't an isolated incident, but these were incidents that were happening when my oldest, who's 25 now, was in school. And so this isn't isolated. It's been something that's been allowed to happen. It's been something that people were aware of, but nobody wants to speak out because if you're the parent that speaks out, then your kid might get benched or sidelined or whatever. And not only your kid, but any kids coming up after your, you know, any of your other children, any of the younger siblings, yeah. you know, might have the name of the the troublemaker. Um, but now I'm 50 and I don't have two fucks to give. So there you go. Yeah.
0: And she's, see, see, see? what you have to look forward yeah. to, Heather?
1: Hot flashes and having zero fucks to give. It's There beautiful. we go.
0: See, you're so close. So close. Hang in there. You'll get there. What I hear at the bottom of it, though, is yeah. communication. Yeah. Like,
1: we should all just be communicating. Yeah more openly and effectively.
2: Yeah, I think it'll definitely help. I mean, parents that when we talk about more about the role of the parents, you are not only you need to help your kids with balance and healthy habits, but you are their protector. Mm -hmm. And if they are being abused, that is when you absolutely insert Mm -hmm. yourself and step in. And okay, if they get benched, I get it. And that will come with some pretty rough roads ahead. But I don't know. I'd rather have my kid benched than continually right. abused. You know, I'd rather step in when, when something's happening that they could really wreck them for the rest of their life. Um, so just being aware of what really is happening and starting those community, you know, how often do we chit chat behind, each other's backs instead yeah. of go to the source yep. to make change, you know, and if that source is not changing, who's in charge of that person to make the change? Right. right. Like, I don't know, they say that the squeaky wheel gets the grease sometimes, yeah. but it also gets replaced. Ah, good yeah. luck. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: that like Brene out, but... Brown. She says clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And I think sure. that's good. I think at the, the bottom line of if I had to sum up everything we've talked about today, um, it is... Watch what you say, how you say, and how you act, whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, whether you're an administrator, whether you're a teammate, mm-hmm. you know, be sure that you're upholding the values you want to see.
0: Right. We so appreciate you coming on. It was so much fun. I we feel could like go on flew. forever. I know it. Thank you for coming.
2: I agree. We might reach yeah, out again. Is, uh, again, an absolute honor. So much fun. I could talk for days. I'm sure I get on my soapbox and don't belong there at times but uh it's it's really a pleasure and an honor to be with you and and have a a moment to just talk about it you know just anything that under the sun with sports and development in Mm -hmm. our female athletes and our male athletes so thank you and before we're
1: done heather why don't you give a, a shout out because your agency has been so supportive of you being here today and you've had a lot of teammates so uh tell our listeners just briefly what is ncsa all about
2: Yeah. So NCSA, Next College Student Athlete, it's a recruiting service. It's the largest in the world, not just the nation. Um, We have just an outstanding organization. I came to NCSA more, I was a user at one point as a coach, and I almost, I was kind of like mad at this uh, organization for a minute because I was like, who are these people? Why are they constantly trying to talk to my athletes? Then I started diving in deeper. I'm like, oh, the resources, they have everything. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's all right there. So now that I'm in it, it's just even more fun because I get to mentor um, student athletes and families not, you know, yes, we're trying to get to college rosters. I get it, but it's higher education. It's human development. And uh, our staff couldn't be more well-equipped. I mean, just all the recruiting coaches and recruiting coach managers with their collegiate experience, their coaching experience, their playing experience, you're just in really great hands. And And I I love that about what we have to offer. So, you know, if anybody's looking for help uh, on their path to college and and wants some assistance in recruiting, we'd always love to work with them.
1: And not only do you get that, but I get emails from you guys all the time. Um, Saturday at one, there's going to be a webinar on fueling your athlete. Um, Next week, Wednesday at seven, we're going to talk about uh, mental toughness or mental wellness. And so there's all of those. And they're just short one hour usually. um, And so very doable for you and your athlete. Great. So that's another resource. It really,
2: it really has um, evolved into a holistic approach. It, I think that recruiting services in the past, like I'm talking decades ago, used to be just sports, sports, sports. But it's like, okay, what is sports? Mental, physical, mm-hmm. <laughs> emotional, spiritual performance. You know, so we're we're. I love love the the pivot they've made in this partnership with IMG Plus Academy you know, that sports performance in a nutshell in Bradenton, Florida. So it's, it's really been an 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 incredible experience, um, teaching more than just, um, how to get to a college roster and, and holistic approach. I love that. Yeah. And and take advantage of those. There's some great webinars and that content is coming from, from the pros for sure.
1: Right. Well, Heather, again, thank you so much. We're the shrinks. And that's a wrap.